This is Eat This, Drink That, a program about food, drink, and quality. Well, you know, we talk about quality of life a lot on this program. Actually, today, something a little bit really different, or maybe not. We're going to talk about fishing. Yes, fishing. For some of us, fishing is really the thing we live for, not just on the weekends, but we, we, we find even professions in it and occupations. And we talk about fish. We love fish. We eat fish. We're As Canadians, we really do like fishing. I have the greatest of pleasures to be able to talk to not just Canada's official fish guy, but I understand Bob Azumi. I, I mentioned his name to somebody who's like 18 years old, and they said, Bob Azumi, do you know who he is? I said, yes, I do. Bob Azumi, welcome to Eat This, Drink That. Well, where where do you find yourself today, Bob? Well, you know what? I, I Every day I wake up, I have to sort of pinch myself first to realize that I'm a lucky guy. Second is, where am I? Because I travel, oh, I average about 300 days a year. I'm on the road for many years. We are talking from Cornwall, Ontario. I just rolled in, and uh, I'm getting ready for the B1 Bass Tournament. And uh, I literally just got back Saturday night from northwestern Ontario, we drove about 50 hours uh, from Tuesday to Saturday. We fished one day, got our show done on the Thursday, the day in between, uh, two days up and two days back. And uh, now I'm in Cornwall a couple of days later. It's uh, it's a tough life. It's a dirty job, but I'm glad I'm doing it. You've been doing it since 1983. Yeah, yeah. The, well, actually, 80, 1981 is when I started fishing full-time, doing seminars and tournaments. And then, and then in 83, we started the TV series. So we're... Uh, I think we're around 30, going into our 36th year or something like that. I, I'm not sure. I, I think that time. that's incredible. Did you expect it to do this? No, not really. See, I just love fishing tournaments. So when my dad was alive and I was 15 years old, he ran the first bass tournament in Canada. He organized it. He was the head chef at St. Joseph's Hospital in southwestern Ontario in Chatham. And so he was a, a chef. And one of the orderlies there fished tournaments in the state, the Murray King, and they would talk on their lunch breaks and about bass fishing and tournaments, and and uh, Dad decided he'd run the first organized bass tournament in Canada. That was when I was 15. I think I got hooked at that age on the <laughs> You got hooked. That's yeah, hilarious. And, and then my dad also used to take us to these kids' derbies when I was like five, six, seven years old, and we used to win those all the time down Rondo Bay on Lake Erie, so this 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 disease I have of fishing for a living and being addicted to fishing is has really been widespread and lasted a long time, I'll tell you, Hugh. It, uh, it's incredible. If somebody said to you uh, when you were, uh, did you train for another profession, Bob? Well, no. The funny thing is, is I worked, while I was um, just getting out of high school, I worked for the Ministry of Natural Resources for two years. It was contract work. And I loved it. It was in Rondo Provincial Park down on the shores of uh, Lake Erie. And I netted fish for the museum. I, I worked in the police boat. I cut firewood during the fall. I cut grass in the summer. I did a little bit of everything down there for, you know, nine months of the year for two years. But I knew that I could never get a full-time job there because back then it was just, you know, very much uh, contract-type work. And so I went from there to work in a factory, and I... I worked at International Harvester in Chatham building trucks back uh, when they were called International Harvester, and then I think they changed to Navistar, and now they're not there anymore, but they had a big tr- uh, truck factory in Chatham. So I worked there for about two years, and then at the 
seminars at the Toronto International Boat Show for 10 days. They tried to get Al Lindner, who had already had a successful U.S. TV fishing show called The End Fisherman. He was booked a year in advance, and Al couldn't make it. And so I'd heard that, so I set up a meeting, and my dad, who was alive at the time, the two of us went up to Mississauga, to Mercury Marine, and that was my first paying gig as a fisherman. I got paid $25 a day for 10 days to do <laughs> seminars at the, uh, the boat show for, like, I think I did five a day. So it was, uh, I wasn't getting paid per seminar very much, but I'll tell you, I sure enjoyed it, and, uh, and I picked up some other companies at that show that liked what I was doing and and starved to death for three years doing that before I started the TV show. So. <laughs> it's, it's an incredible journey. I'm just thinking about, you know, back in high school, your guidance counselor saying to you, Bob, I think you should do a fishing show. <laughs> well, I don't think that happened, right? I missed a lot of those meetings with the guidance counselor. <laughs> I was out fishing a lot, so... <laughs> But you're doing you're you're a living example of doing living. Oh man, I'm going to say it badly. Doing what you love and loving what you do. Yeah, you know, and a lot of people, you know, they work to live. They don't live to work. But in my case, I kind of do a little bit of both. You know, because I'm very busy. I mean, I'm on the road so much that my friends look at my schedule and they just roll their eyes and they say, "Are you kidding me?" and even my family does too and I, I kind of pack things pretty tight but you know when I get out and in the boat fishing and whether um, you know I'm fishing a competitive tournament and it's you know it's all fast paced life in the fast lane and you're racing around fishing different spots or I'm just out fishing or I'm filming a show there's something about being out in the middle of a lake or river that's so peaceful and soothing and uh, therapeutic. I just, I can't even explain the difference I feel versus, you know, being at a corporate meeting and, you know, we're coming up with ideas and we're talking about scheduling at the office and, and, you know, production and magazine stuff uh, for our Real Fishing Magazine, all these things that we have to do. When I get away from those and I'm out there fishing, which I guess I spend about 180 days a year uh, on the water and then the rest of the travels to and from getting there as well as charity work, seminars, appearances, promotions, uh, speaking engagements, that type of thing. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a busy lifestyle, but it's one I, I don't know if I could change because it's been so ingrained in me from since I was 21 years old, and I'm now 60, so it's been a long time. Uh, indeed. I, I know you were born in 19... You've actually got a web page on Wikipedia. 1958, wow. Yeah, yeah, and I, I never would have thought as a kid that I would be doing what I what I do and you know I do and I said it earlier that sometimes I have to pinch myself to realize how lucky I am because you know the one thing my dad used to always say is don't take things for granted and he said never never take advantage of anybody and if they do anything for you try to do double back for them so you don't feel like you owe them anything mm. he used to tell me but but you know I I, I probably am living the dream, and, you know, many times I have to re- remind myself I am because I'm, I'm just so used to, to being here, fishing there, you know. I mean, to think I was fishing uh, over a 1,000 miles away from where I am now a couple of days ago, like three or four days ago, and now I'm in eastern Ontario to fish the St. Lawrence River, Lake St. Francis, and get ready for a tournament in Valley Fields, Quebec, and, and uh, you know, did a wall 
walleye show on Eagle Lake, which is up in Ontario, Sunset Country. And now, well, you're up at the Manitoba bo- uh, border, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We just went up uh, through International Falls and uh, over to Fort Francis and then up about two and a half hours to uh, the Vermilion Bay Lodge. And, uh, oh, it was a wonderful two-night stay we had there. <laughs> and uh, and then we came right back, but I, you know, got a great show shot and, and met some wonderful people there, both the, the fishing guide, uh, Eagle Eye Guiding, and also... The, the owners of this uh, lodge, Vermilion Bay, that we're at, they're just wonderful people, and it was such a short visit. But, you know, the funny thing is I'm constantly making these friends in my journey, and it's funny that when you're around the outdoors and around fishing, and, you know, I know that, you know, quality of life is part of your radio program. I, I notice eating is, too, and I really do like food. I love to cook. <laughs> I like to eat. Um, but... It, it really is something that, you know, I think a lot of folks that, that just enjoy life and enjoy the outdoors, um, it's, it's a bond that you get where you, you immediately feel. And I mean, you know, I, I don't know, like last night my, uh, my daughter, she's 28, and her and her husband just celebrated their one-year anniversary. They got married last September, so um, I had some fresh walleyes. I kept four little walleyes that were under the slot limit. Um, It sounds to me like you uh, you uh, spread the gusto on top of the fish too. There's nothing better than a shore lunch, though. I know it's nice to do things at home with all the the fixins and the tools, but a simple shore lunch of the fish you caught, I bet you just live for that. It's so incredible. I always tell people everything tastes ten times better outside, and uh, you know when you're you know pull up to an island or some wilderness uh, shoreline on a lake and you make a fire and. You get that, you know, canola oil or whatever you're using all hot. You you put those, you know, fillets that are maybe lightly coated or battered in there and you cook those and some beans, maybe some potatoes. It's pretty darn good. Now, now, I don't eat as many of those as a lot of people would think because, you know, most of the time that's out of lodge. So I might do uh, maybe a half a dozen of those a year, which is still pretty good. Mm. But uh, some of my friends who are guides, and they guide, say, all spring, summer into early fall. When they're out with guest guiding and some of the better guides that are really busy at some of the more popular fish camps, they say that after about the fifth week of shore lunches every day, making them for their guests and also eating with them, they do say they do get a little bit sort of uh, mundane after a while, but I've never had that before, okay? Actually, you know, it's funny because... Um, I've had lake trout and I've had, you know, all the variety of fish that I used to experience during my time up in northern Ontario. Um, And each lake, even if it's the same type of fish, often has a different flavor. Yeah, and a lot of that's due to the diet of the fish. Like lake trout, for instance, some of them could be feeding on like minnows and and bait fish, and then others could be feeding more on uh, larvae or, or... you know, different types of bugs and things. 
Mm-hmm. And so their their diet's different. So a lot of times the flesh uh, color is different. So you might get some that are very red or pink and others that are white or orange. So you can get, you know, several different colors of flesh, which would indicate their diet is different and their taste is going to be different. And uh, Now, some of your... I, your some of your fishing, Bob, must... I mean, if you're out there for 180 days, you're going to be a true Canadian. Some of your fishing is going to be ice fishing, and that's a whole different experience. It is, you know, and, and we're a little spoiled once again on that, Hugh, because we have uh, a snow bear. Actually, we had two, but uh, one just, I think, um, I think my brother sold it, but we've got these snow bears in their ice fishing machines. They were made in Fargo, uh, um, out in the Dakotas. Now they're made just north of Minneapolis, and these things are like the Rolls Royce of ice fishing machines. So they're they're shaped like a small SUV. They have tracks on them, skis, and they, they you go and you drill your holes and hydraulically lower down over the holes, and you can fish four people out of one of these. It's got propane forced air furnace. I mean, some of the ones we have have um, you know uh, little TVs in them. You can watch. Do you get a hot tub too, Bob? Uh, no hot tub. That's uh, if you want to dig a hole big enough in the ice. <laughs> about fish finders and things like that bob do do you um i know it's equipment and it's available or is some of the the quality of fishing the simplicity of things i know if we really went to fly fishing that's you know that's a whole art in itself isn't it it, it is and it isn't like fly fishing is not very hard to do but it looks like it is but if you get a fly uh fishing instructor in he or she takes five minutes to show you how to properly um, use a rod so that you're, you're, you know, you're laying that line behind you, and you're, you know, it's the weight of the line. It's not like you're casting as much as, 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 as uh, using the weight of that line, momentum back, and then momentum forward, and lays it out. And it, it is an art, yes, but it's not a hard art to learn. But the funny thing is, is, is that's the cool thing about fishing. You can take it to any level that you want. And, you know, I mean, fishing electronics, GPS units to take you, you know, to, to shoals in the middle of the lake that, you know, you can now on mapping and stuff on some of the, the lakes. They're really just tools that make, you know, can make your fishing more successful. But there's no guarantees. I mean, you could be, you know, have all the money in the world and all the, the fanciest tools, and still you have to catch the fish. You well, you've got to know the secret little hole that the the guide knows about or you know the the old snag that's in behind it fell in the lake and it's you know the ideal sort of shady spot where somebody hangs out like the big muskie or a pickerel yeah but also you know like the tournaments i fish a lot of times we're fishing water we've never been to before oh yeah you've never been to that lake and it's it's a whole a surprise for you isn't it 
Yeah, and so same with the tournaments that I fish. A lot of them are in new water. So when we get there, it's, you know, we might have, um, you know, like for filming, I just get out there and start filming and try to figure it out. If I don't have a local with me or a guy that knows it or a person that knows it, I just go fishing. But a lot of times, you know, if, if I'm short on time like I was in northwest Ontario, one of the uh, professional guides there came out with us. But in a lot of cases, you know, it's just, you know, you got to figure out those pieces of the puzzle together and so that's what i get a thrill out of i'd mm. rather fish new bodies of water given my druthers and going back to the same old same old so i'm kind of one of these guys that likes to run around on the lake and look around and try to figure things out and and uh, you know have some success by developing patterns out there so maybe windblown points uh for walleyes with crankbaits or maybe it's uh you know uh, deep water humps uh, in the fall of the year for smallmouth bass or or uh, you know there's so many things that you can do so when we go fishing i'll take lures that'll cover from top to bottom in the mid depth and a lot of different rods and reels that will handle those types of presentations and then and then apply that to what i've learned over the years and then trying to figure out that puzzle so that's what i love about fishing is is trying to figure it out because uh it's never the same it's uh you know history very uh very often does not repeat itself in fishing it's like hour to hour day to day weather changes wind changes temperature changes all affect the fish uh, year to year uh, algae bloom watercolor i mean there's so many little things and that's what i've loved over over the years you know in in my fishing with a lot of different anglers um is you're never done learning Hmm. Never, ever done learning. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, the Sudbury Public Library here in, well, obviously, Sudbury, actually has a, uh, you can use your public library card to access a, a, a fishing kit. And off you go. I think it's got a, I should ask them exactly what it's got in it, but I think it's got a, a license and, and you can go for like three days or whatever. And it's primarily for kids, I think. Well, how are we, what's the demographics look like? You know, when I was a kid, it was dads who had all the kits or or the American cousin who would come up and have all the lures and the best rods and reels. And, and you know, sometimes we just, uh, well, I don't know, we just sort of marvel at that and we'd kind of feel badly. But somehow using just a, you know, a simple spoon, we'd, we'd, we'd win. Yeah, it, you know, it, it, it's funny because... Um, there, you know, there, there's so many uh, different ways to approach fishing, and I don't know. I just, I, I just find that that, um, um, you know, I'm constantly learning every time I go out. Like I'm itching to get on the water tomorrow, even though I was just fishing about three days ago, I guess. And there's something about it that's addicting. And all of these other emotions that you you get when you get out there of oh I can't wait to get out. Then once you're out there, you don't you don't want it to end, you know. And mm. many times I fish those. Well, some of these tournaments are, are, are there's big prizes. Yeah, they are. Um, you know, it's it's uh, like we're talking ten thousand bucks or more. Oh, absolutely. And and you know, tournament fishing's been very good for to me over the years. I've you know won I don't know a lot of tournaments in my career. Um, all over the place and and uh, from 
fishing tournaments. They're that good, and they fish a lot of the big U.S. tournaments, travel around, and, uh, you know, they're young and full of energy, and uh, they're very good at what they do. You know, they've been weaned fishing, and, and they progressed in the tournament at a very young age. In fact, one of them won his first boat before he even had a driver's license. Gosh. So, yeah. I, I have to ask a question then, Bob, you know, because you're Canadian, we're Canadian, we're on a Canadian radio station. Sometimes Canadians want to get away in the middle of wintertime. I mean, I have a sense that probably you go off like marlin fishing or something down in the Caribbean. Yeah, I, I like Costa Rica for salt water. It's really good. Uh, we go to a place called Golfito down there. We've done a bunch of trips in uh, marlin, blue marlin, and, and you get, uh, you know, sailfish, like unbelievable. We've had days where we've got like 18 sailfish in a day and, and uh, tuna and rooster fish and all kinds of exotic uh, saltwater species. And then I sneak down to Florida, though, every year, and I do a lot of bass fishing in central Florida at a lot of the smaller lakes, including the big one down there, which is Lake Okeechobee. Okeechobee, yes. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, I love, uh, you know, as much as I love fishing in the north, um, I've kind of got the yin and yang, I think, in, in some cases. I'll fish ice fishing one week, and then I'll be in 80-degree weather fishing uh, bass or maybe saltwater fishing down south somewhere. So I kind of flip back and forth. I'm usually uh, down south um, three or four trips, uh, extended trips, and I'm back up here, uh, you know, chopping holes through the ice. It's, uh, it's, it's usually a very interesting contrast. It's at your home in your rec room, let's say, Bob, um, not that I've been there, do you have, like, fish mounted on the walls? I, I don't have any real fish mount. Everything I have are fiberglass replica fish. Um, because that was the big thing in the 60s was to, when I was a kid, is, you know, you'd go down to somebody's basement and there was a showcase of what they'd done. Yeah, and, and it's funny because I grew up in that, that era where, you know, you killed all the big fish to either eat or mount them, you know, to put on your wall. But in, in my case, um, back in the early 80s, I'd met a couple of young fellows that were pioneers in that in Canada, advanced taxidermy. And I've watched them grow up, uh, you know, sort of with me. And they came to me at the Toronto Sportsman Show when I was doing seminars back in the 80s. And they wanted me to come to their booth, so I went and saw that their work. And these guys are artists. They take, uh, they've got hundreds, if not thousands, of molds of various species of fish. Everything from, uh, you know, tuna to tarpon to bass, musky, pike, walleye, brook trout, lake trout, you know. And they've got all different sizes of molds. So if you catch a fish, and let's say it's 30 inches long and it's got a girth of 20 inches, you measure it, uh, girth length, you take a really good photo of it, you submit all that to them, and they'll make you a replica of that fish. And, uh, and it looks better than a skin mount because the skin mounts, even though some of them look all right, a lot of them kind of deteriorate. Or they do. They get a little, uh, little worn around the edges very quickly. Yeah, they kind of yeah they're they're you know real a real fish so they after a while get weathered but these fiberglass replicas they look you know beautiful thirty years later they look exactly like they made them and and they use like all automotive paint so they look like right out of the water and you know, they're oh they're shiny and everything oh yeah yeah so you can brag about so, your fish and not have to kill it you can release it and, yeah catch and release is a big thing isn't it well it is and when we started the TV show back in eighty three. I used to get a few negative letters.
would you want to eat a fish that's 10 or 20 or 30 years old, like a big lake trout or a big old walleye or something? It's you know? a responsible thing to do, isn't it? It really is. I mean, it, and I've seen this whole thing change over the last three, three to four decades where, you know, the whole mindset has changed now and, and even the way the fisheries are managed. Like the lake I was just at on Eagle Lake, you can't keep a walleye in between 18 and 23 inches. But while we are filming, we caught a lot of walleyes in that slot that you couldn't keep. You had to release it. And uh, what a wonderful fishery. I mean, the fishery, you know, we caught probably... 30, 35 walleyes um, the other day up there in our one day of fishing and, and you know, got more than enough for our TV show because, uh, you know, the show's only a half-hour show, but um, it just shows you that good fisheries management and conservation uh, can sustain a fishery. And you can still keep, you know, four fish up there to eat, but they either have to be all under 18 inches or three under 18 and one over 23 and that's a pretty good deal, you know. And, and you know what the guide was telling me? He said years ago they didn't have that in place, and it almost decimated that fishery. He said it was so bad that it was hard to even catch, you know, walleyes to eat out there. Well, now, it, we've changed. We, we've become more aware of things. Uh, we are trying to make things last longer. Uh, well, forever, hopefully. Well, I guess it goes back to that threat. You know, we want to sustain this quality of life, right? They sure do. Bob, we haven't had a chance to talk about one thing that always interests me, wine and fish. Uh, I know that fishing out in the countryside, you know, you you're often got a beer or something back at the dock or, or, you know, but do you ever do wine pairing with fish? Well, funny thing is, is we have our own Izumi wine, and it's done with a, a vineyard down in uh, Niagara. Um, and uh, the Niagara region is called Between the Lines. Couple of young uh, uh, fellows that have origin from uh, Germany, and one of them teaches at the college there winemaking, and um, they produce um, a white and uh, an Azumi uh, red, and a dollar from every bottle goes to the um, Fishing Forever, which is a non uh, not for profit organization that my brother and I and a bunch of like minded friends started. Oh, probably fifteen or twenty years ago, and we've raised over a million dollars and gave it back to the fisheries uh, fishery Gosh. project. And um, and and so a dollar from every bottle goes back to that. And then we work with the Police Association of Ontario, which is I think about twenty thousand members of the police, and they raise money for all these kids cops and Canadian Tire events. We got seventy some odd events, and we had somewhere around fifteen or twenty thousand kids all those events and every youngster walks away with something from that uh, fish derby um, and uh, you know the, the wine also helps there so when it comes to pairing a lot of people used to say white wine with fish but that has changed uh, a lot over the years and a good red you know like um, our, our red is a I believe a cab Merlot blend so it's a, it's a, a very easy drinking wine, not, not a real heavy wine, but not real light either, just sort of middle of the road, very easy to drink, and and it pairs well with fish. Gosh. Because, um, you know, years ago, everybody would say you need a white wine with fish, but not anymore. It changed a lot. No. Yes. Well, you know what I think pairs well with fish? Bob, Bob Zumi. <laughs> there you go, sort of like bacon and eggs. 
Bob Azumi, what a pleasure to have you on Eat This, Drink That. You know, for listeners out there, this has been CKLU 96.7 on your FM dial. And my name's Hugh, Hugh Cruzel, and I'm with you every Thursday at 6 o'clock. I have to thank Bob. Bob, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your experiences in the wilds of Ontario. Not always wild, I know. Yeah, Hugh, uh, very nice talking to you. And anytime, let's, uh, let's chat. Very nice talking.